Because what, what I think to, to finish Gemara Yavamas, I think I told you at the beginning of it, Yavamas is a Masechta that has scared me off all my life. And I've kept away from it. Uh, and I can never understand why my Rosh Yeshiva, Rebelia Mishkovsky, loved Yavamas more than any other Masechta. Um, until we've had this chus to, to learn Yavamas and see what an unbelievable Masechta it is and, and uh, Baruch Hashem to find on every daf uh, to be able to extrapolate from the halachas themselves. As I always say with the Matmanim, it's not about finding a vort on a daf. That's easy. It's to take a piece of Gomorrah, and, and the method that I use when I, when I do this is just, first of all, to choose the piece of Gomorrah we're going to work on. I have no idea whether there's a Matmanim in it or not. I choose the piece of Gomorrah I'm interested in or that attracts me to it, and then I try and learn the Gomorrah as deeply as I can without thinking about the Shira and the Matmon, just learning the Gomorrah as deeply as I can. And then the Matmon starts... Uh, emerging, it, start, it starts coming to the surface as one learns the sugi. So it's brought out of the lomdas, it's, it's out of the learning. It's not something we're imposing onto the daf. It's something we're pulling out of the daf. And today's a, a, a wonderful example uh, of that as we, uh, as we see it. But I, I, I must just say, just a shakar to all of you, both those who are here physically every morning, uh, particularly those who are here physically every, every morning and those who are learning online and those who are sending me comments. And I'm sorry, I'm not always able to respond to the comments. People send on Facebook or they send on e by email or they uh, send on the website. And it's, uh, it's amazing. We have some wonderful Tamida Chachonim. We're making some incredible comments. And some of you here after the shoe in the morning and uh, all of that just adds to it, makes it very, very rich. So thank you for journeying with me and with us through this amazing Masechta. So let's learn the last few few lines of this Masechta. And in so doing, there's, there's a question that, that everybody asks at the, at the end of the Masechta, which we'll, we'll touch on, and there's a very difficult Rambam. Uh, and through explaining the Rambam to you, I think we'll understand the, the difficulty of the, of the Gemara at the end, and also understand that resolving conflict, um, paradox, tensions... Is, is peaceful, is successful when the resolution is neither extreme nor compromise. Sometimes we think it's either one side or the other side or you make a compromise. We'll see in Torah it's ne- neither of those three. Uh, th- there's another option altogether. We touch on it on Daf Kuf Yud Aleph and we'll go into it more deeply today. The psukim that we need to be conscious of are the psukim Vayikra Mishpat Echad Yelachem Hashem There should be one integrated system of justice across the Torah. The way we think legally is an integrated system. And the posuk in Yeshayahu, v'chol banayich libudei Hashem v'rav shalom banayich, you know that posuk, and all of your sons will be talmidei chachomim, they'll learn the Torah of Hashem, and there will be great peace among your your children. V'chol banayich alfin b'oraisa, says the Targum Yonason, b'oraisa da Hashem. All your children will be learning Hashem's Torah. And that's the key. We're going to see in the Gemara, that's the key to it. When you're learning Torah, understanding this is Hashem's Torah. And what does that mean that it's Hashem's Torah? Then then there'll be a lot of Shalom between your children. When there's no Shalom between your children, it means they're not learning Torah, it's Hashem. They're learning Torah, it's fine. 
and their different views and shivim ponim Torah, and they're arguing and they're debating, but Torah Hashem is different. And what's different about Torah Hashem is we'll see we'll see an example of that now. So we come with there's a, there's a halachic dispute at the end of the Mishnah, at the end of the Masefta. Tanoi, there's a machloket Tanoim. We had two different views of Rabbi Tarfan on this issue. And then the Gemara says these are two different Tanaic views. The Ein Bodkim Eide Nashim Bidrisha we don't do drisha and chakira when we're giving evidence for a woman about her husband being uh, no longer being alive so that she can remarry. Divrei Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Tarfon Amer Bodkim. Rabbi Tarfon says we do do drisha and chakira. Drisha and chakira is the cross-examination of the witnesses. Um, drisha means we ask all about the event. Well, what gun did he use when he shot? Where was he standing when he shot? What, what did, you, did you see smoke from the gun? Did you hear the shot? It's all about the, the event. Chakira is about the time and place. Where exactly were you? When exactly was it? What time? And so on. And we ask both witnesses so to, so to try and catch them out that they're not, not aligned. Um, we'll, we'll see from, from Tosfus, from the Mashor and the Bir Hagro and Shulchan that this is not a Machlokis Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfan. Um, rather, this is the Tanakhama that says, Ein That's the Halokha. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfan, the word Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfan say Bodkim. There are two views that say you do cross examine the witnesses. Um, but but Tosfus says clearly that Rabbi Nuchanan says, That's how we paskin. You don't do Rishiva Chakira. The argument is around Rabbi Hanina who said, whether it's monetary law or capital offense laws, you always do drisha v'chakira. Because there's one system of justice across it. Whether it's an argument about, about a dollar or it's, or it's an issue about a life, you, you conduct the court case with the same seriousness. So why did they remove the requirement of Drisha Vachakira of cross-examining the witnesses from mandatory law? If they love it, so as to, to encourage commerce. Because if everybody knew that if there was any kind of a problem, witnesses would have to come. They would be cross-examined. Who would ever know whether their witnesses would stand up to it? Better not lend money. Better not transact. Just stay away. The economy would get shut down. And we've seen what happens when you shut down an economy. Not a good thing. So, so the Chachamim said, in commercial matters, we won't do cross-examination of witnesses. We'll take the witnesses at face, at face value. What's the argument here between Rabbi Tafel and Rabbi Akiva and the Tanakhama? The one holds, since there's Ksuva, this is a mandatory issue. After all, in marriage, there's, a, there's money at stake. So use the monetary principle. And the other one says, no, since we we're talking about Aish's ish. We're talking about allowing a woman to remarry. This is something very serious. This is not like monetary matters. This is like the Nefoshis. So that's the Gemara. We've got some questions on the Gemara. We'll see in a moment. But then the Gemara goes on with a famous little piece, and it doesn't even quote the full famous piece. And the question is, what is it going to do with this? says in the name of Rabbi Chanina that the Talmud Chachomim bring a lot of peace into the world, as it says, That's the end of the Masech Tahadran al-Acha Yishu Basra, B'Salikha al-Masechis Yavomis. 
So, of course, the question is, why is this thrown in? Yes, it's true. We just had Rabbi Hanina quoted. This is Rabbi Hanina, so maybe that's part of the reason. But it's like thrown in. What's it going to do with all of this here? And Mashor deals with it. Doruch Lanero deals with it. Various, pe- various people deal with it. But I think in understanding how the Rambam thinks, I think we're going to have an insight into, as far as our minds are capable, to understand how the Rambam works through Gomorrah um, based on, on a Rashbo and a, a, a Ramban. What does the Rambam say? Uh, so, so firstly, the, the Rambab says, it, don't be so amazed that we take such a light view of a case of, of allowing a woman to remarry. Um, because the only time that we need Rish of a Chakira is when the truth will not ultimately emerge. You're dependent on the Edim to create the truth. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. The Edim actually create the Metziot. It's, we'll never know the facts for sure. Two witnesses can't tell us what happened for sure because we're not questioning thousands of other witnesses who may or may not have been there. But two witnesses that are properly accepted in Beisdin create a new reality on which Beisdin make their decision. Says the Rambam, that's when there's no knowledge of what happened other than through the Adim. But where the truth will emerge eventually, we're not so worried about the Adim because the truth exists independent of the Adim. We just don't know what the truth is. So if the man is really alive, these witnesses say he's dead because they want this woman to marry somebody else for whatever reason, as we've discussed in the Masechta, um, one day he's going to turn up. He's going to appear on Facebook. He's going to tweet. He's going to, all of a sudden he's going to turn up. And these Adim will be shown to be liars. So we can assume they're, they're not lying. And that's based on a Gemara in Bechoyos, Kol Milted Inshi. People don't lie about something that's going to become evident. Uh, there's a beautiful clip, it's an amazing clip I happened to see, just happened the other day, purely by chance. Um, I was, in fact, it was right under a piece that I was watching of yours, Simon. You did the, the Birkas Koenim I was watching, and you were phenomenal. Even if it wasn't some my favorite piece of music, but you were just Phenomenal. And I was amazed. And the next thing on YouTube was the Lubavitcher Rebbe yelling. I've never seen that before. Literally yelling at a Rosh Shiva who was, he felt that the Rebbe thought he was, he was causing machlokas. He was raising issues and that, that he felt. In it. And, and by people, this Rosh Shiva was saying, what should I tell the Yeshiva Bochrim? And the Lubavitcher was getting furious. And he said, and they're lying. He said, and they're lying about something that's avidali gluya. They, they're stupid because they're lying about something which will become evident. It's easy to establish the facts. It's not, it's not a big deal. And he says, this that it says, Komita David Inshi, he quoted this very Gemara. And he said, Inshi, human beings don't lie under those situations. So if somebody does lie when it's, when it's something that will emerge afterwards, he isn't a human being. Unbelievable comment. They don't even treat him like a human being because human beings don't do that. That's just stupid. Um, so the uh, <laughs> interesting. So, so the, the Rambam relies on that here and says, since this is something which is going to emerge, we can rely on on the witnesses. Uh, and then he goes on to say, lots of kulot, lots of leniencies in this case because we don't suspect that they're lying. And then he says so that the Benat Yisrael won't be Agunot. We, don't want the, we, we, we want to enable these women to remarry. We don't want them to be trapped into a living Aguna situation. Um, and, and they all ask. Firstly, the Ramban asks on, on the Gemara already it's, itself, what is this? 
there's there's a momentous and there's and there's nefarious kind of there's a serious case of allowing a woman to remarry, but there's also a mandatory issue. Ask the Ramban. They're both. It's not either or. And since there's a serious question of Eshet Ish, who cares that there's also a Ketuvah issue? We're not going to treat it like a mandatory issue because because there's a Ketuvah involved. At the end of the day, there's also Eshet Ish involved. The Ramban asks that question. Uh, quoted by the Rashbo on the next, as you turn over the source sheet, you'll see at the top, Vihikshah uh, Ramban, this is from the Rashbo. The Ramban Nehru, when, when the Arishan quotes another Arishan and says Nehru, that's like saying Shlita, that it's, he's still alive. So when the Ramban quotes the, the when the Ashbok quotes the Ramban, you see that he's a Talmud of the Ramban and that he's living in the time of the Ramban. You can get a lot of history out of just noticing how they quote. And that's what Nehru means. Natre Rahman Hashim, take care of him and, and save him. Um, so that's the, the Ramban's Kashi. And then the, um, the, the Rashbok goes on and says, furthermore, the Rambam doesn't mention the Gomorrah's reason. The Gomorrah's reason is that this is mominous. The Rambam gives other reasons. What does the Rambam say? Because she's an Aguna and because it's Milta David Eligluya, will, uh, the truth will eventually emerge. Those aren't the reasons the Gemara gives. Where does the Rambam get this from? Uh, the the says also, he, he asks as well, the Orchanel, unfortunately we didn't use the Orchanel enough. He's just a wonderful Achron uh, from the 19th century. He was the Rebbe of Rav Shemshemifel Hirsch, of, of Rav Hildesheimer. He introduced the whole German approach of the Oroch was a Kabbalist, a Baal Halacha. He was also a university graduate. He was just one of these amazing minds, and he has a wonderful uh, parish on, on Shas and a big one on, on Yavomus, which we unfortunately didn't get to use sufficiently. Um, but he asks also, um, the, the Rambam itself is, is contradictory. He starts off with Milta David Eligluya, and then he ends off with that she shouldn't stay in Aguna. What reason is it? What's the reason? What's going on here? So, based on, on, on what I understand the Rashbo to be saying, what I think the Rambam is saying is the following. At the, at the end here, yes, when you look at the situation, a, a woman is some, a single aide, a single witness, no Drisha Bechakira, maybe the witness is a woman, is giving evidence that Reuven died. And we want to accept this, this evidence so that Mrs. Reuven can remarry. Says the Gemara, there are two ways of looking at it. If you view it as a momentous case, as a financial case, then you can accept the evidence. If you look at it as an Aishas Ish case, this is Arias, this is serious stuff, then you can't accept the evidence. So what does that mean? There are two different views in, in uh, Rabbi Tauf and Rabbi Akiva on the one hand, the Tanakam on the other hand. No, the thing is here, you can look at it either way. So what says the Rambam? What determines which way you'll choose to look at it? So explains the Rambam, I'm now talking the Rambam out, explains the Rambam, if you look at this two-dimensionally, if you look at this in a linear fashion, as we explained on Dafkuf Yudalif, and it's either or, either mandatory or it's Asia Now, what do you do? It's both. So how do you treat it? No, says the Rambam. You've got to look at it one level deeper. It's neither mandatory nor is it Asia issues. It's, there's a human issue here. There's a human being that is at stake. Moshe Feinstein said to me that his role as a posek is to understand that, that he's being asked a question because there's a potential human tragedy that he's got to resolve. That's, that's, if it wasn't a potential human tragedy, it wouldn't come to him. You just go to the Shulchan Aruch. But halacha can cause human tragedy unless you can navigate halacha. And, and says the Rambam, this is potential human tragedy, aguno. So of course you've got to view it as mominous and not as ashesish. Because otherwise you're creating a situation for a woman which is tragic and you've created it because you've gone this more severe way in Hilchas Eidus. 
But that's not enough. Okay, so we'll go there if Marmonis. But Marmonis is not that serious. Because if people are having a financial argument and it's wrong. So the halachas in the Shukhanach, if the Dayan paskins incorrectly, then the Dayan has to pay the money that he's caused to be lost. If somebody claims incorrectly, you've got the claimant has to claim, pay. There's ways you can rectify. If you make a matter in monetary matters, you rectify it by paying money. It's, it's only money. It can be fixed. But in Aishas Ish or in the Foshas, these things are, are irreversible. You can't, there's nothing you can do about that. So it says the Rambam, as I'm speaking him out, it's all very well to say, let's treat it as mominous, but it isn't mominous. At the end of the day, you're believing this one witness without Drisha Hakira. What happens if he's wrong and telling a lie? What happens if? Because although it's an unlikely possibility, but still it is possible, says the Rambam. Yes, it's a human case, so we have to take the lighter case, but we have to find a basis on which to believe him. The basis on which to believe him is Milta David Eligluya. So the Rambam needs it all. So you start off, these are two different, is it Mominus? Is it, is it uh, Eshesish? Is it Arias? So we would like to view it, so you could view it either way. We would like to view it through Mominus, but it's not pure Mominus because it's not reversible. In other words, we have to have, without Trisheva Chakira, we've got to rely on the Edim. Now, in a normal case of, of Nefoshes, of capital offense, somebody murdered or, or whatever, the ADIM are your only source of information, so the ADIM can choose to lie and they'll never get caught out. That's why we have to do Drisha Vachakira. We have to catch them out in the Beisdin. We have to catch them out. But here they'll get caught out by life. So we don't have to catch them out in Beisdin. Since they know they'll be caught out by life, if their evidence is false, the man will turn up and they will be shown as terrible liars that caused a, a terrible tragedy. We don't have to worry that they're li lying. We can assume that they've done their homework and they've done their best. And that's why the Gemara ends off with um, and the and This is Hashem's terror. This is not just playing around with some legal system. Is this a monetary system? Is it a this? Do you work this? Would you work that? No. Firstly, there's Mishpat Echo. There's an integrated system of Halacha. But to understand this is Torah's Hashem. You've got to look at it holistically. You've got to see the human side of it. You've got to understand not only the technicalities of halacha, which you absolutely have to understand, but you've also got to understand the humanity of what you're dealing with. And you've got to navigate your way through it and seeing it as a human problem, you've got to be able to come out with a solution that is neither one extreme nor the other extreme, but is a solution that all parties can relate to, can find acceptable. That's really what one, what one has to do. And so much of the polarization of society today in matters of politics, in matters of social policy, in matters of morals and ethics is because we take these positions. Are you pro-abortion or are you anti-abortion? Are you uh, for racial equity or are you against racial all, all We take these positions and then we get locked into it. One has to be able to see this as Torah Hashem. How is Hashem viewing the situation? How is Hashem thinking about the situation? How do we understand the Torah the way Hashem wants us to understand the Torah? As a complete integrated system that includes the humanity in it. And you, when you see the human element, you're able to find the resolutions. That's what Moshe said when he explained, it's not about being makehill. It's not that I'm finding, finding coolers. I'm resolving tragedies. Use, using halacha to resolve the very tragedies that halacha potentially creates and to be able to unlock the human situation by understanding how the halacha works. And that's our responsibility. And that's why 
לגמור אין זה, ויהיה וכל בנייך לימודי השם ורוב שלום בנייך, because אלפין בו ארייסא דהשם וסגי יהי שלם בנייך. because when you're learning the Torah of Hashem, when you're seeing it all as Hashem's Torah, with the Kedushat HaTorah, and with the humanity of the Torah, and, and with the fullness and wholeness and completion of the Torah, we find solutions in which everybody can find peace.